promises of marriage is fresh starts and new beginnings. memorable times in my life was when I was dating my wife, Lori. I was under the influence <laughs> of love. There's no doubt I was uh, legally high. <laughs> That's all I could think about. There's this wonderful woman. And uh, we just continually talked. We'd go out and we'd spend three hours talking at a restaurant, and then uh, after that, we'd go back to our dorm rooms and uh, talk over the phone for another hour. Uh, we just couldn't get enough of each other. And then uh, I'd love to embarrass her. So I remember one Valentine's Day, I got this big cardboard Valentine about this size, and we had a class together. And so in the middle of the class, I had my uh, teacher uh, take out this valentine and present it to her. And uh, her face turned the color of the valentine. <laughs> and we'd walk down the streets of Chicago and I would be singing to her at full voice. And uh, yeah, just wonderful times. And uh, so we got married. And uh, like a lot of guys, what happens is, is that I said, okay, the marriage job is done. And now i got to move on to the career job. And I, I didn't meet her needs as I should have and caused her pain. And, yeah, I sinned against her. And therefore, our, our marriage drifted. That can happen to a lot of marriages. There's all difficult seasons that we uh, struggle with in marriage. And maybe you're in one of those difficult seasons. Well, as we continue in our series, The Art of Marriage, we want to talk about how love can fade in a marriage, but how you can get back on track. So let's just take a moment to pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would open our hearts uh, during this sensitive time. It's hard to talk about issues that are painful in our lives. And I pray that you would help us not to tune these things out uh, because of our uh, hard-heartedness, sinfulness, but that we would listen and let the Spirit speak to us clearly. In Christ's name, amen. Well, if you're going to get your marriage back on track, the first thing you need to do is you need to give up your expectations. You need to give up your expectations. When you have uh, two people who are dating and just caught up with each other, they have all types of desires for their marriage. For example, the man. He has this woman who just, she adores him. Uh, she's his number one fan. And uh, his main need is for respect. And so he's eating all that up and... He wants to love her, and, and he's thinking about his desires, a desire uh, for uh, uh, success, a uh, career, uh, to build his career. And she knows that, uh, he knows that, that she's going to support him in that. Uh, he's very interested in having his sexual needs met, and he, he doesn't think that will be a problem because she just cannot keep his hands, her hands, off him, and uh, then on top of that, he uh, also uh, has needs uh, for you know coming home and having the meal made. No more fast food. All these wonderful homemade meals and the house being in perfect order. Uh, yeah, because uh, that's the way his mom did it, right? That's the way it works. And she has certain desires as well. Uh, her desires uh, include being loved. That's one of her main needs, is to be loved and cherished. And she's finally found her prince. She's finally found the answer. And they've had such long conversations. 
sharing their dreams of the future and their, their souls have, have been united. And there's no doubt in her mind that her husband will want to continue these long conversations because they'll be living together. They'll have so much more time to talk. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, and, and then she has desires uh, uh, just to have a home. Oh, she's looking forward to having a home and decorating that home and making it her own and then maybe moving into a bigger home at some time. And she's looking forward to, to kids and uh, just enjoying them and having her husband love those kids and, again, just having a wonderful time of raising children uh, together. So all kinds of desires that a person has before they get married. Now what happens is, is when, once a person gets married, uh, two people, uh, there's a transition that takes place. A transition where slowly those desires turn into expectations. And there's a big difference between desires and expectations. A desire is something, boy, I hope you fill, and that's just a desire of my heart. But an expectation is, hey, this is your job. This is something you have to do. So let's say you have a man uh, and woman who are married, and uh, he's working, and she's a stay-at-home mom. And, and so he is working out there, providing for her financial security, which she desires so much. And he's fighting the traffic, and he's dealing with these unrealistic people at work. And just, oh, it's, it's just a lot of, a lot of sweat. Uh, that goes into doing this. And, and over the weeks, as the marriage goes on, you know, uh, she just doesn't seem to be that grateful the fact that he's out there all the time and the stress that he's under in uh, providing uh, for her. And, and what she's thinking is, over time, a period of time, that well, that's your job. That's what you do in this marriage. You go out and make the money. All right? And so... That's just an expectation I have. And I'm not going to patch on the back all the time for that. Maybe if you get a promotion or something like that, then I'll, I'll say, hey, way to go. <laughs> That's kind of how we get. We just expect certain things. And here you have this mom at home. Maybe she has a, a few kids who are uh, just driving her nuts. <laughs> she, she, she's got these uh, little kids and constantly serving them and taking care of their needs and taking care of the house and everything else that she's doing, and by the time he gets home, she is just beat. She is so tired, and all he's concerned about is where's the meal? <laughs> and why is this room not where it should be? Because it's grown into an expectation in his life that, well, this is your job to take care of the kids, take care of the house. And you see how this goes? Uh, the desires that you had initially turn in to expectations. And therefore, you no longer are grateful and so, you know, uh, appreciative of them. It's just kind of like that's what you do. And it's interesting how we get these thoughts in our heads of all the expectations that our spouse might have for us. I want to show you a clip from an older movie. She's having a baby. And this is the wedding vow clip. And, and the man hears a lot more than other people are hearing. <laughs> it's Kevin Bacon, a very young Kevin Bacon. You also see uh, um, uh, the other, Alex Baldwin, uh, very young. But uh, why don't we take a look at this? Thou have this man to be thy husband, and wilt thou pledge thy troth to him in all love and honor, in all duty and service, all faith and tenderness, to live with him and cherish him to the ordinance of God in the holy bond of marriage? I will. Wilt thou, Jefferson, have this woman to be thy wedded wife? Wilt thou comfort and keep her in sickness and in health? Wilt thou provide her with credit cards and a four-bedroom, two-and-one-half-bath home with central air and professional decorating? A Mercedes-Benz, two weeks in the Bahamas every spring? But I'll try to remember the little things that mean so much, like flowers on her anniversary, a kind word when she's had a rough day, and an occasional, gee, honey, you look pretty today. Will there be understanding when she is tired, headachey, or upset about something? When she feels ugly, or when she has a big pimple on her chin? 
Wilt thou not be such a pig when you shave and shower? Wilt thou listen patiently to long stories about kids, colds, kitchen towel, clothes, shoes, make a pair, sore feet, and decorate a chick with covers? I will. For as much as Kristen and Jefferson have consented together in holy wedlock, and have witnessed the same before God and this company, by the joining of hands and the giving and exchanging of rings, I pronounce that they are husband and wife, whom therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. You may now kiss the bride. But don't mess up her hair or her face, because she still has to have her picture taken. Go for it. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> but yeah, these expectations build up over time, and it robs you of the joy of your relationship. I mean, your relationship in your courting days was built on intimacy and communion and just love for one another, and all of a sudden, it becomes all these expectations. It really becomes a contractual relationship. Think about it. Have you ever received a handwritten note from your mortgage company, and they're just saying, uh, we just want to thank you so much for the fact that you mailed in your check this past month. Uh, you are so consistent and faithful over the last 15 years in doing this. And we just wanted to say thank you. In fact, we're enclosing a gift card uh, that you can use just as a way of saying thank you. Please call us. Here's my cell phone if you need any more information. <laughs> Well, no, 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 no. If you tried to refi in the last year or so, trying to get information from a mortgage company or a bank can be very, very challenging. But if you want their attention, you know what you do? You stop paying. <laughs> oh, and then they'll take a lot of interest in you. They'll start sending you letters, very official-looking letters. And then they'll even call you on the phone. Yeah, you get a personalized call, a real person calling you, giving you all the information you need to know about your account. Why is that? Because you're a debtor of the mortgage company, and you're not paying up. And that's when they pay attention. And that's the same thing that can happen in a relationship. If you have a contractual arrangement with your spouse, in the sense, okay, I have my expectations, you have your expectations, let's see how we can meet these expectations... If the expectations are met, great. I'm not going to say anything. You're doing your job. But if you fall short in any particular area, you know I'm going to be in your face about it. And this is a real problem in marriages. Why are we like this? Well, it's because we're incredibly selfish. It's all about me. It's all about my agenda. It's all about my needs. And, of course, it started with Adam and Eve they introduced sin into the world, and then God put a curse upon the world that's impacting us even today. We read in Genesis 3.16, To the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children. Maybe that's why women who typically don't curse, curse during pregnancy. I'm not sure part of the curse. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's painful to give birth. And ladies, we want to thank you uh, for all that you do in that area. Uh, your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Your desire, that sounds kind of innocent, but really when you look at the original language, it's really like your desire will be against your husband. And that word speaks of attacking. Some of you men say, Amen. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, women, uh, again, desire to be in control. They desire to usurp their husband's authority. Now, in the Bible, we'll talk about this next week, but 
it clearly states that the husband is the head of the home. And, and the woman, many times, would like that position. She would like to be in control, so she tries to control and manipulate things. Now, on the flip side, you have, and the husband will rule over you. Well, that's not a pretty word either. That's not what God wants. That's a domineering type of husband, a husband who just says, I'm leading this home, and this is the way it's going to be, and you're going to meet my expectations. So really what you have is the battle of the sexes here, and that's why marriage is so difficult. Bottom line, we're all trying to control the relationship, whether it be the husband or the wife, in very, very unhealthy ways. And that creates all kinds of problems. It creates a contractual relationship. It creates a debt-debtor relationship and causes a lot of pain. Well, we look in Genesis 3.17. The curse goes on to Adam. He said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. So, he said, when you farm the ground, it's going to be more challenging. And I'm thinking, well, what's the big deal with that? I'm not a farmer. Well, I think there's even a broader application here in the sense that there's pain introduced into relationships through sin. Whether it be a marriage relationship, whether it be a work relationship, whether it be a church relationship, really, in any meaningful relationship there is pain, and the more meaningful relationship, you're going to be broken through that relationship. There's going to be breakdowns in those relationships. And, and the, one of the reasons God allowed this was in order that we might be driven to Him. Because we, we have this natural need for people in our lives that God put within us. We, we need other people. But at the same time, because of their sin and our sin, it creates all kinds of problems. And God wants to remind us that he is a source of life, that we are to worship him, that we are to depend upon him. So the relational pain that you experience in your marriage, in other relationships, is really an impetus to drive you to God and be in dependence totally upon him. And not to be dependent upon people. To meet all of your needs. So, when we look at marriages, you usually have a continuum. You have very healthy relationships, and you have very sick relationships that sometimes end in divorce. And then there's other categories. Uh, for some relationships, you have a conquering relationship. And this is where you have a dominating person in the marriage. And uh, they continue to insist on their expectations. And finally, the other person says, okay, all right, I give up. They're waving the white flag, okay? And they're saying, I'll do what you want me to do. So they just say, okay, whatever you want. I'll meet your expectations the best that I can. Now, the other type of relationship is the compromising relationship. This is a little more common, where over a period of years, uh, the two people, instead of being driven to a healthy, God-designed relationship for marriage, which we'll talk about here in a moment, uh, they just decide, okay, we all have expectations, so let's work it out. Okay, I'll meet your expectation here, you meet my expectation here, and we'll just move along in life. And they just kind of settle. They know that marriage should be much more meaningful, that the relationship should be deeper, there should be much more satisfaction, but it's not working for us, so we're just going to settle for what works. And, and with the conquering relationship and with the compromise relationship, what happens is they work over a period of time, but in the end, they grow sick as well. We don't want to have those kind of relationships. Now, we all do to some degree, but we want to move away from that to God's design for marriage. And what you need to do in order to have a God-glorifying marriage is you need to give up your expectations. You need to turn them back into desires. You need to say, <clears throat> this is what I desire for my marriage. 
but I don't expect it. I don't demand it in my relationship with my spouse. I say, okay. I, I just give up my expectations, and they're in the desire area, and I'm going to pray that God will fulfill my desires. And you say, well, how do you do that, Dan? I mean, how do you approach a marital relationship if, if you give up all your expectations? Well, let's take a look. If we move on here, uh, we go to a B, and that is to serve your spouse needs and desires. To serve your spouse's needs and desires. Let's look at Ephesians 5 again, as we did last week. Ephesians 5.21. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The whole idea of submitting is putting yourself under another person's leadership. You are submitting to their leadership, to their desires. So again, you give up your expectations and you say, okay, I'm going to do everything that I can through the power of God to meet the needs and desires of my spouse. That's what I'm going to do. Now, why are you going to do that? Is it because it's a win-win situation, that this is a secret of marriage that's been touted on the talk shows and come out in a book? No, 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 no. The reason you do it is it's because it's, it's out of reverence for Christ. That is your main motivator. Submit to one another. Now, this particular verse introduces a lot of different relationships where submission is called for. And really, that's the nature of life, that we should be submitting to one another, putting their needs before our needs. But submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So the reason that I submit myself to my wife and I put her needs before my needs is because Christ did that for me. We look in <clears throat> Ephesians 5.25. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, let me try to explain this as best as I can. All right. So, marriage, as we talked about last week, is a reflection of our marriage with Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. And when you become a Christ follower, you become married to Christ. And you will spiritually consummate that relationship when you're in heaven, when you are made perfect. You'll be married to Christ for eternity. Now, the marriage on earth is to reflect that. And many times we just think about marriage, that you're meeting my needs, and this is the way it works, and this is what we're supposed to do. It's way beyond that, and that's why we've got to continue to rethink the, the reason for marriage. The reason for marriage is to reflect Jesus Christ and our, our relationship with him. And that, that changes everything in regards to how we approach marriage. So you look at what Jesus Christ did for us. He gave his life for us. He gave everything for us. I mean, what greater thing could you give? How else could you put your needs or submit your needs to another person's needs but to actually give your life, to die for that person? So he is the ultimate example here. And what he wants us to do in marriage is to reflect, is to live out that type of love for our spouse. Again, husbands, it's directed here, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So husbands, we're called to a higher level of love here. We need to lead the way. We need to serve our wives. We need to put our expectations on hold, everything that we think that should be done for us, and we need to put those in desires and say, God, if you want my wife to fulfill those desires, I pray that that would happen. But in the meantime... My job is to meet her needs and her desires. That's the direction we want to go. Now, I know a lot of you guys are out there thinking, now, wait a second, Dan. Uh, I'm all for worshiping God. I mean, Jesus Christ, yes, he gave me uh, forgiveness of my sins, and he gave me the eternity with him, and I'm thankful for that. And, 
But, you know, isn't there another way I could pay him back? I mean, I come, I come out to church regularly. I tell you what, what if I came out like every Sunday and then five bonus Sundays where I, I went to the service twice? You know, I mean, would that, would that satisfy God, you know, worshiping him in that way? Uh, what if I served in five different ministries here in the church? Would that satisfy God for worship? Uh, hey, hey, listen, you know, I just gave a significant uh, commitment to the Lord and face heart strong. I just really, you know, exercise my faith. I mean, isn't it enough? No, no, it's never enough. In a sense, those are all easy forms of worship. The most difficult form of worship is to go home to your spouse, to go home to your kids, whoever you have the most intimate relationship with, and submit to them, to put yourself under them and say, I'm here to serve you. Now, that is true worship. That is tough worship. And that is what Jesus Christ is asking us to do. It doesn't matter if your wife is sinning against you in some way. It doesn't matter if your wife is emotionally checked out from the relationship. It doesn't matter if your wife is uh, not caring about you. She doesn't care about your needs. You could just you could you could write out a beautiful case against your wife right now, guys, on why you shouldn't do this. But you see, that's not the point. You're not doing it for her. You're doing it for Jesus Christ, who showed you unconditional love. And marriage is a picture of his unconditional love for you, and therefore you need to show unconditional love to your spouse. You're saying, well, Dan, that's just impossible. <laughs> You're right, it is impossible. But friends, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through constantly coming to the Lord in prayer and being dependent upon him and saying, Lord, help me to give myself over to my wife. Help me to love my wife as you love the church unconditionally. Jesus Christ died for sins while we were yet sinners. Your wife does not have to earn the points for you to love her. Marriage, again, is unconditionally loving an imperfect person for a lifetime. Unconditionally loving an imperfect person for a lifetime. Now, that's not the way the world understands it. That's why there are so many divorces. But again, that is the commitment that God is asking us to make. Now, I know that some of you think, oh, yeah, whatever, Harrison, that's nice. Um, (laughs) That's just not going to work. Because, you see, if we've been married a while, you know, we we, we have what I can call a a control tool belt. Uh, We know how to control our spouses. We know how to get them to meet our needs. We know how to manipulate them. We know what uh, uh, buttons to push uh, in their lives. It's kind of like the mace that we pull out of our, <laughs> our tool belt. When things are, we just want to stop them. And so we pull up some issue and they shut down. And we, We've got a litany of tools surrounding us. that We've worked a long time to to master and, and to use. And even though the relationship isn't the greatest, at least I've got control of this person. And I, you know, I've got them on my leash. And I know when to tighten the leash. And, and I know when to give a little more you know, uh, uh, room on the leash. And, and the friends, I mean, you really want to have your spouse on a leash? Who needs a leash anyway? Well, a dog. A dog needs a leash. Uh, well, your child, in a certain degree, you, you have on a leash, per se, in terms of control over their lives. But, you know, your spouse is not your child, and some of you are approaching your relationship in that way. You're trying to parent your husband or your wife. And that's not your responsibility, to parent your husband or your wife, to control their lives. And so what God is asking us to do is to lay down the tool belt of control. And just give it over to him and say, I'll take care of things. All right? I just want you to lay down your tool belt of control the way you've you know, approached your marriage and gotten your needs met and 
kept them silent or kept them satisfied to the degree that you can get the things you want to get done in life. I want you to give that all up. And I just want you to unconditionally love your spouse. And that's a big deal, isn't it? Right? We're all sinners. We all have a tool belt to whatever degree. And it takes a while to lay down a tool belt. But what I'm asking you to do today, and what I'm asking myself to do today, is to say, I'm, I'm just going to give myself over to my spouse, even more than I've done in the past. And I, As I've studied this material, I've been very convicted by it in ways that I still try to get my way, where I still use certain tools in my relationship with Lori in order to manipulate things. You know, we, we, we all struggle with that. But, but the God is asking us to live marriage in His way, and that's to totally submit uh, to your spouse and to meet their needs, to be totally committed because of what Christ has done for us. So the question is, well, how do you do that? Well, the third point here is trust Jesus for your needs and desires. Trust Jesus for your needs and desires. This is so important. Uh, we look in 1 Peter 5.5. 5. It says, All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So, let's say that you're going to say, Okay, God, I'm going to lay my tool belt of control down, and I'm just going to see what happens. I'm going to give myself over to my spouse and I'm not going to worry about my needs being met. Now, one thing I do want to say here, you say, well, this is way too simplistic, Dan. You don't understand the, the complexities of my marriage. Well, I've done marriage counseling for a long time. Many, many hours, many, many people, many, many stories. And marriage is complicated, it's painful. But again, this is what the Word of God says. And I'm not saying that you... You need to have healthy boundaries. Obviously, if a, your spouse is abusing you in some way, you've got to do something about that. Uh, you've got to continue to work on your marriage, obviously. It's not just like, whatever. No, no, you, you continue to work on your marriage as long as your spouse allows you to, to, to speak into their lives. Otherwise, you just work on yourself in terms of loving that person and reaching out uh, to that person and meeting uh, their needs. Uh, and... And it's just something you have to trust Christ with. Because, friends, if you continue on in a compromising type of relationship, a debt-debtor relationship, or a conquering relationship where you're just meeting the person's needs just to do it because to keep them happy, that's not good. All right? You need to move to this new level of unconditional love. And you need to continue to... You know, communicate and talk about what's going right, what's going wrong in the marriage. But this is an overall type of orientation that I'm talking about in your marriage. Uh, because if you ever, I mean, you can continue on. Yes, and most of you probably will, unfortunately. Statistics tell us. Just because of human nature uh, and sinful nature, uh, you'll continue on with the compromises and the conquering and because some of you men out there or women are just, you're hard-hearted. And you just don't want to give up what you got. And your relationship with Christ is not mature enough that you're not going to trust him uh, with this very particular area of your life. But I challenge you to do it. First Peter 5.5 5, All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So we're to clothe ourselves with humility. The idea of clothing yourself is well, your clothes characterized to a certain degree you know, who you are. And, and therefore, you want your life to be characterized by humility. Your clothes are something that you put on every day. So this is something that is deep-seated in your life. A spirit of humility, whether you be your spouse or with your kids, you're always considering other people's needs first. And that's the greatest challenge in life because we're sinful and selfish. But that's what God is asking us to do. He goes on to say, because God opposes the proud, 
but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud. Some of you have a prideful heart today in regards to your relationship with God. You're a self-made man. You're a self-made woman. You don't talk to God much. You don't think you need God much. And I'll tell you right now, God is opposing you. That's not good news, to be opposed by God. That means God has not given you any help. If you're prideful and uh, when you call out on Him because you need a little help, I'm not sure how responsive God is going to be to you because you're prideful spirit. But what God does with prideful people, He just kind of puts up His hand. You know, He puts up walls in prideful people's lives to break them because we all need to be broken in order to acknowledge our need for God. And, and, and pride people have not yet been broken or they haven't identified their brokenness in their life and come in humility to acknowledge God for who he is. So if you're a proud person, you wonder why your life is struggling. <laughs> God's opposing you. I don't want God opposing me. But notice what it says here. But gives grace to the humble. So if you are a broken person and say, God, you know, I've tried to do this life thing on my own and I failed here and I've fallen short here. And so I just come to you and every day I'm just going to get up and I'm going to submit to you through the power of the spirit. And I'm going to submit to other people and I'm going to drop my expectations of my spouse. I'm just going to love and serve them. Uh, he's going to give grace to you. He's going to give wisdom and knowledge and insight that you've never had before. You're going to grow a deep relationship with God that you've never had before. And you say, that's really hard, Dan. And you say, yes, I agree. It is extremely hard to do. But sometimes the hardest things in our lives are what we need in order to experience what life, what God really has for us. Because, friends, if you just go on in a conquering relationship or a compromised relationship or a sick relationship, if you never decide just to give it all to God, give your expectations to God, turn them back into desires, you'll never receive unconditional love from your spouse. Because they've got to see it in you first. And they might be checked out spiritually, they might not be a Christ follower, but if you unconditionally love them, if you really give yourself over to them, uh, things are going to happen over time. I read in First Peter verse 6, Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Now this is the tough part. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. That, that's recognizing God. You are the creator. You are my master and Lord. So I'm just going to submit myself uh, to you so that he may lift you up in due time. Now, the question is, what is due time? <laughs> okay, let's say in your marriage. If you just kind of give yourself over to God and say, God, I'm just going to submit myself to you and I'm going to give up my expectations. And, and you're going to still pray about your desires and things like that. But again, I'm not going to expect them. I'm just going to serve you. And if you do that, uh, you know, like uh, two days later, you might say, okay, God, I've been doing this. Uh, you know, Sunday I made the decision and... Uh, it's Tuesday now, and I, I really, well, I tell you, I've been taking out the trash when I wasn't asked to take out the trash, and, you know, I've been working hard at satisfying my wife's needs. I've been, I've been asking her, Lord, what does she need? I mean, when was the last time I asked her that? And I don't see a lot of difference going on here. Okay, so I'll give you to Friday. <laughs> Friends, due time. Could be two months. Due time could be ten years, twenty years. All kinds of stories I've heard about people who waited that long for their spouse to turn around and to see the light. And and due time might not be ever on this earth. You say, Dan, that's not fair. You're right, it's not fair. But who said life was fair, right? You've been given the beautiful gift of salvation if you've made that choice. and It's the love that you have for God that just needs to overflow into other areas of your life. And I love this. 
you know, this verse I've many times memorized, quoted, used in my own personal life, but it's very interesting. Uh, I've been reminded of the context here. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So, as you make this decision, as you say, okay, God, you know, I want to do this, and I know this is going to be a long process, it's not going to happen overnight, you know, I'm going to be frustrated, I know. And in the midst of that frustration, what you do is you go to God. And you say, God, you know, it's been a month now. And I've been doing my best with your power to love my mate. I drop my expectations, that type of thing. And nothing has changed whatsoever. And, Lord, I would love to have this close relationship with my spouse. I'd like to have a meaningful sexual life. I'd like to be able uh, to talk about spiritual things. I'd like my spouse to become a Christian and so forth and so forth. And these are desires of mine, but I'm going to continue to give them back to you because I'm doing what you told me to do, to unconditionally love my spouse. And I don't know how long it's going to change. And I might never have the relationship that I want with my spouse, but I know that I'm going to have a deep relationship with you. Because I'm dependent on you. I've taken off my control tool belt, and you're in control. You're the one who can change the heart of my spouse. And I have no reason why, I have no idea why you're taking so long to do it. But I'm trusting in you. Because the whole goal of my life is to become like you. And no matter what challenge, no matter what pain you have to bring me through in order to do that, uh, I'm open That's hard, isn't it? That's, not, that's the opposite of what we want to do. But friends, if you want to really transform your marriage, that's what you need to do. You need to give up your expectations. You need to give it over to God. Let's take a few minutes here, just in silence. And I want you to just uh, pray to God about what we've been talking about today. And just open up your heart to him. And uh, let him speak to you. And uh, listen to him. Dear Heavenly Father, it's been a very somber time. It's difficult, Lord. We have so much pain in our marriages. We're broken by our marriages, Lord. And I pray for those individuals who are struggling out there today. And uh, they don't want to give up the control tool belt. They don't want to give up their expectations. They, They don't trust you, Lord. They think that if they can continue to use uh, their tools of manipulation and if they can continue to work it, that they're going to change their spouse. And I pray that they would uh, be taught by your Spirit that that's impossible. The only way you can change your spouse is, first of all, to submit to you, give up your expectations, and love your spouse unconditionally. Oh, Lord, that, would, that takes way too long in our instantaneous world. So I pray for my friends here. I pray that they would reflect upon these uh, verses this week, that they would reflect upon uh, what we've talked about. Maybe they'd listen to it again on the podcast uh, and really think about the implications of this. 
Thank you, Lord, that uh, we're a heart-strong church and uh, we have the value of loving our families, having Christ-centered marriages and families. So we're going to be talking about this (laughs) a lot. Uh, We're going to be providing different resources. It, It doesn't happen overnight. Nothing does. That's really fruitful and beneficial. But I pray that for some people here today who your Holy Spirit is really speaking to and maybe their marriage is on the rocks and they don't know what to do, well, I, I just told them what your word has to say about it. And I pray that they would make a, a decision today that that's what they're going to do and that you would continue to fuel them with power from a, on a day-to-day basis to make that a reality in their lives. In Christ's name, amen. All right, well, let's take a look at some next steps. We always want to, again, be moving forward to look at how we can grow spiritually. Uh, If you guys could take out your communication slips on your programs. Uh, We want everyone to fill this in and turn it in every week. If you're a regular attender, just fill out the names of the adults in your family. And if you're a guest, it's so good to have you. Just uh, write down all the information you feel comfortable filling out. Stop by our Welcome Center, pick up some brownies, and hope you can join us again. But uh, under the name uh, on your communication slip, you'll see numbers 1 through 10. And again, if you want to just say, this is what I'm going to do this week. Cast your cares daily upon him this week. Number one. Number two, show gratitude to your spouse this week. Again, maybe you've been just expecting that they do certain things. Just say, you know, everything they do is a gift to me. And just start saying thank you. Memorize Ephesians 5.25, our uh, verse for this month. Uh, If you're interested in helping with VBS, you can circle that. Interested in child dedication on Mother's Day weekend, you can check that. And interested in baptism on June 9th and 10th. So if you mark 4, 5, or 6, we'll give you a call and give you more information about that. If we could have our ushers come forward, and if they could begin collecting our love gifts uh, to the Lord. Let's talk about some family news here. Uh, first of all, uh, we see uh, that, uh, we go to the next slide, uh, we have our child dedication on Mother's Day weekend. See, we're heartstrung for children here. We want to love our families. And as a church, we want to love your family. And we're all on a team, <laughs> you know. And, and so we are heartstrung for children. And a great way to start out, if you have uh, younger children, is to bring them in dedication to the Lord. Uh, and to just say, Lord, my children are yours. They are just loaned to me, one might say, for a period of time. And I want to do everything I can to bring them into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So on, on Mother's Day... Uh, I, whatever that weekend is, uh, we're going to have a, uh, a dedication, a child dedication. And so, again, uh, circle that, indicate that in some way, and let us know uh, that you would like to be a part of that. In fact, right after this service, at 1030, Pastor Rich is having a child baptism class. Uh, let me take that. A child dedication baptism class. So if you're interested in child dedication or baptism, Please go to that class, and he will give you all the information. You get all your questions answered, and uh, encourage you to take those steps. Another thing we're heart strong is for children's ministry. Our Wana Club, which serves over 180 kids here on the week, uh, excuse me, on Wednesdays, uh, is just uh, wrapping up. But Kids of the Kingdom, what happens during our services, goes throughout the year. Vacation Bible School is coming up, and if you look at this particular insert uh, that says kids of the kingdom eyes on eternity. It's so important that we be investing in the lives of our children because we want them to know Jesus as we know Jesus. And so I would really encourage you to take a look at this. And uh, we're needing more volunteers back there. It's a great entry level ministry. You can just go back there and hang out with the kids uh, for an hour uh, and just you know, kind of Keep them safe and secure and help out who's ever leading. Or maybe you want to be a teacher. We need teachers. And I would encourage those of you who have children back in our ministry area, if you are a regular attender here at Springbrook, I would really encourage you to think about at least serving once a month. I mean, you have other people who are caring for your children, so 
I would encourage you to at least think about being a helper. Because we need all those positions filled. We want to care for our children and give them the best experience possible. So if you have a child that's back there and you're not serving, I would really challenge you to serve once a month just to kind of help us out in taking care of our kids. And VBS are going to have some open houses coming up. Uh, so let's be heartstrong uh, for our kids. Let's teach them how to love God and to love others. Our prayer center is in the office reception area down this hallway. Please stop by there uh, for some prayer and encouragement. And again, we want to encourage you, uh, encourage all of us to be an inviting church. We're going through this marriage series, and we want to invite people out because it's a, it's a felt need, and uh, they might be interested in coming. So again, we have our invite cards, and as you walk out, there's packs of ten. And if you feel so led, I'd really encourage you to take those packs of ten and to hand those out to people uh, who you know, uh, leave them, you know, in different areas where people might pick them up, you know, be creative. Uh, but let's get the word out about uh, the ministry we're doing here at Springbrook, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you guys could stand with me at this time, we are going to close our service. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for our children. And we want to be heartstrong for children. Thank you for all the people who serve in our children's ministries. And I pray that more people would step up. More people would say, yes, we need to care for our kids. And Lord, I pray that you would empower us today as we think through what we've heard today about marriage. And Lord, I know it seems impossible. I know it's like, I don't know how this works. But I pray that you would help us to reflect upon what we've talked about today and that we would ask you uh, to do a new work in our lives, to revive our heart for our spouse and to unconditionally love them. Thank you for the time we've had together and bless us as we go. In Christ's name, amen. Have a great day.